This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a podcast for dads where this dad talks about life, kids, and stuff. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I am so excited because I'm recording live at the Dad 2.0 Summit here in San Antonio, and I've got the first guest of many, Mr. Nick North. Nick, thanks so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? I am so, so swell. It's super great. (laughs) So the cool thing about Nick, there's a lot of cool things, but the coolest thing that I know is that I sat down next to him in the welcome event because I got there late and there was not a seat open. And Nick was super kind and said, come sit right here. Come come join us. And that made me feel so welcoming that we started talking as soon as the session was over and he learned that I was doing a podcast. And I learned more about him as a dad. And I said, let's record and let's have this up and let's have this up during the summit so people can listen to it and start like, you know, Seeing how cool we are, so basically, yeah. it's just an ad, <laughs> right? It's what's, what's happening. It's all this. It's a dad 2.0, uh, 2.0, 20 ad, uh, just for Joe and Nick, <laughs> right? This is it. <laughs> That's it. It's all it is. It's uh, it's our pitch to Doug French to uh, come back next year. <laughs> yes, we'll uh, we'll just <laughs> us and Dax. It'll be fine. Yeah, the three of us. We will be on armchair expert. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is uh, experts this, on experts. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Uh, not endorsed by Detox. Dax Shepard. <laughs> In no way, shape, or form. Right, right. Monica can still <laughs> fact check us if she likes. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We won't. We won't be there for that part. So it's, it's, it's okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. If you're good with that, I'm good with that. Dax is fine. It's fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So this is the kind of like dialogue and back and forth that we were having already. So I was like, oh, we got to get on the podcast. I'm so excited. Before we jump to, we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot of cool topics about who you are as a dad, your story, your journey, your parenting journey, why you're here at the summit, all that cool stuff. But first, a question I like to ask a lot of parents that come on the show is, what do you think makes a good dad? Ooh, hard hitter. Yes. Uh, At least start with an easy softball question. Easy softball. Just smash it out. It'll be good. Um, I think that's what makes a good good dad is honestly just being completely emotionally attached to your kids. Okay. I think that everything from that point out is sort of taken care of. That if you're emotionally attached to your kids, then you're paying attention to both their physical needs and their emotional needs and their like soul needs and their all of it, you know? And if you're just physically attached to your kids, you're missing a good portion of their human experience. It's so true because there are a lot of times where I feel like exhausted or tapped out from the parenting experience, right? And I feel like, well, I'm meeting their needs, right? Like they're fed, they're clothed, they're bathed, they're asleep, like they're I'm checking the boxes, right? But then there are times where I feel I see my son or I see my daughter and and they're just kind of not wholly there. 
And I go, what is missing? And I go and I run through the list of things in my head and I go, I wasn't caring for the emotional and, you know, maybe spiritual, the holistic side of parenting. I was doing all the physical stuff. I was meeting the needs, but I wasn't present, right? And so I feel like a lot of times we forget about the being present aspect because we're so concerned with like, well, let's do the bare... (laughs) you know, the bare minimum kind of a thing. And in this case, it means just meeting the physical needs. It's like, but there's so much more that goes into that. I remember on the way down here to San Antonio, my my wife and kids are here with me and uh, my mother-in-law as well. And my daughter was like, you know, like chatting about something in the back. And I started to get frustrated because I'm getting stressed about the conference and speaking and a bunch of different stuff. And I, and I realized I'm like, no, this is what she is saying is the most important thing in the world to her right at this moment. And to me, I'm thinking about a million other things. But she doesn't know that. She sees me in the driver's seat, not listening to her. So I stopped and I asked her, what was that? And it was something about something she saw outside the window, right? And I went, that's so cool. You saw, it was a butterfly. I was like, that's so cool. You saw a butterfly. What color was it? What were its wings like? What was this and that? And she told me in great detail and she felt satisfied, validated, and went back to the coloring book she was working on. But had I ignored that, then that would have really cut off the connection between us. Because yeah, I'm taking care of her, but I'm not engaging with her. I'm not present. I'm not here. My mind, I'm physically present, but my mind is somewhere else. And I think it's so easy to lose sight of that being a parent. I think, I think especially because, um, it's not the role that is painted for us as dads Mm -hmm. as well. Right. If you look at like, representation in media, if you look in representation in the books that you read growing up, you we read books about, uh, you know, Meet the Austins, and we read these books about, like, the sisters taking care of each other and the boys being rascallions, right. <laughs> and, like, the dad off being a doctor and mom being home at the house taking care of everyone, and, and, and we see, that's what we see, that's what's shown for us, but we're not seeing dad sitting down and talking about the emotional things. We're not right. seeing dad uh, filling those emotional needs. And the truth is, is that like, we can't fill them all the time, just like moms can't fill them all the time. Like right. there are times when y- we just have to hit the physical needs and like, that's, that's the best we can do. And, you know, there are times when we fall short and we don't mean to, and we have to apologize and like suck it up and show that like, that's actually what being a man looks like. Like, you know, apologizing to my son is always like, I have a nine year old son and he, I hung the moon and like, he's taking how I look at the world and he's like absorbing it for himself. And I know that like, if I snap at him or I'm too sharp at him, it cuts him like deeper than any of the other kids. Right. Because he's learning how to be in the world. And when I apologize for that, it means more than any of the kids as well because it, he's seeing like, oh, this is how you show up as, as a man. This is how you're vulnerable. This is how you admit to your mistakes. This is how you create trust with people. Like, this is how you own your stuff, Right. you know? It's so crucial because I feel that specifically with, with sons, right? And this is something that I'm even thinking about a lot lately personally, because it's not something that, so my daughter is four and my son is one and a half. And it's not something I really considered a lot when I had my daughter, you know, I was very like focused on making sure that there was an equality aspect to the dynamic in the home. And, you know, I like to cook and clean because I genuinely like doing that. My wife likes using her power tools and physically fixing stuff in the home. That's just that, 
we we under- gender roles are dead right yeah i mean <laughs> but truthfully and so we really focused on showing that like both of us have successful careers we both like to do different things in the house sometimes we cross over sometimes we don't and and we were really wor- working on that and then when my son was born i was like how do i help redefine masculinity like how do i do that and it's something that i'm still struggling with and i think it's something that society as a whole is struggling with, right? I I would absolutely agree. I mean, you see Gillette release an ad where genuinely they're just trying to say, I think we could be better. Maybe, maybe like the bar could be a little higher and people backlash because they thought that people were coming after men as a whole. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're coming after tropes. We're coming (laughs) after the way things have been saying like we could be better. And most of you that are upset are already doing the better stuff, but you're not, labeling it right yeah because of whatever reason and it's and it's something that i i do think of i'm like i need to show show my son how there is equality across the board but in general what does it mean to be a man in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 whatever and it's it's evolving everything is evolving and so it's it's an interesting conversation and it's interesting being here at the dad summit Mm -hmm. and having this conversation as well but yeah it's yeah, we're going to dig into that. We're going to dig into that. Yeah, it's so much. It's so much. <laughs> so so talk me through a little bit, uh, as you're comfortable, talk me through your journey becoming a dad and what is that? what did that look like for you? And then also talk It's a me doozy. Through. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. We're going to dig in. So buckle up. Yes. I'm, I'm, this is for the listeners. Like, I'm already buckled. We're ready Okay, to go. perfect. So <laughs> I, um, I actually started my steps into parenthood not as a dad. Um, I actually uh, lived the first 30 years of my life uh, presenting as a woman. Okay. And so I am a trans man. Um, and my I birthed the first four of my children. Okay. So uh, I, exciting times. Yeah. I have experienced all of the parenthood. And I think that it allows me to see fatherhood differently because I have been both a stay-at-home mom and a work-from-home dad. I have been a, the sole provider in both roles. I have been a fully-kept woman who, right. like, you know, made dinner at 5 o'clock and raised the kids and a work-from-home mom. And I, I, I have been a, you know, a, a go-to-work mom and right. a go-to-work dad. Like, I have done the whole gamut of it. I've, I have done the drop-offs and pickups and the sleepless nights and I get both sides of it and my wife is just like this is being married to a trans guy is the best thing ever (laughs) because like I understand what it feels like to be a woman and to be a mom and to feel like you've lost your identity completely but then I also get to look at things and go like you know what as much as women are like hey our house is on fire which it is right (laughs) uh, the man's like men's house is next door and it is falling down and it's like dilapidated and no one has been giving any care to it either. Right. Because we are so set on like forcing men into one box and women into another and their responsibilities and their flaws. That's air quoted. Sure. Uh, Right. Right. And those not able to see. Exactly. (laughs) That was a very good air quote, you know, and like all of our problems we're, we're focused on those, but we're not focused on the fact that like actually we're creating this cycle, the both all genders together are creating this cycle, um, and it's it's you know men have been traditionally in the power of that cycle, but 
having been a woman, I can see the places where it was really unfair for me to put a lot of pressure on my ex-husband okay. as well. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. So how many kids do you have now? So we have five. Okay. So uh, we're a blended family. Four of them I birthed, one of them my wife birthed. Gotcha. Um, yeah, we are a big, we're not even Mormon. I, you know, or Catholic, <laughs> right? We're just a bunch of queer heathens who just like to have kids. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, that's really cool. So how did, so it's really interesting to me because of the fact that you talk about how, you know, you were, you're able to see the motherhood aspect and the fatherhood aspect as well. Right. And so you have a unique perspective that for me, uh, you know, have been a, uh, and I, and apologies in advance if I get this, uh, mm-hmm. very clunky, like yeah. I'm me, I'm always trying to evolve and learn more about myself. Right. And so I'm trying to, so me as a cisgender male, right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, can you help f- explain what I'm trying to say for those that may not know? So what I'm trying to say is I'm a male. I've always presented as a male. I am you a... always identified as the gender that you were assigned at birth. Thank you. Yeah. So Thank I you. was assigned female at birth. The doctors were like, this is a baby. It's a girl. Right. And I was a baby. So I couldn't say otherwise. Sure. And so that's what happened. And then as a kid, I knew that I wasn't a girl. I knew that like, wait a second, this doesn't feel right. What's going on? And, okay. you know, I tried to articulate that the best I could. And I remember having a conversation with my grandma and her being like, look, kid, this is just the way it is. Like, yeah. There, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you are what you are. Right. This, you're stuck here. Right. Make the best of it. Yeah. You know. And I did until I realized that I was dying inside. You know. And sure. like, I wasn't making the best of it. And I had this really, really wonderful life. I had a big house and the nice car and the really great husband. Like, my ex-husband is one of my best friends still. He's one of the greatest guys around. I'm so grateful that he's who I chose to have kids with. Um. I had all the things that one could want in suburban Canada yeah, (laughs) Uh, and I was still wildly unhappy Mm. and not in like a, I, you know, want to die sort of way, but in like a, I have everything and I feel empty inside and that's not right. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Then I fell in love with a woman and was like, Oh, and then the more that I was allowed to show up masculine in my relationship because she's pretty feminine. Um, the more that like that felt authentic and that I needed to be like, Oh, this is, this is what I've sort of have been looking for my whole life. Right. Um, and then it was just sort of one of those like, Oh, of course this is the next step. It didn't, it didn't, I thought it was going to be this really scary thing. And it was at the time it was like super scary and telling the kids was the scariest part. And how, like, did, how did they react to that? Our kids didn't give a crap. Yeah. Truthfully. <laughs> because, because kids don't, they don't have stories. They yeah. don't have a story about like, okay. what's right or what's wrong. Right. Um, and like we we hired therapists. We had a plan. We had a backup plan. Sure. We were like so prepared because people are always like, but what about the kids? Right. And I'm like, you're right. right. I forgot about them. I didn't right. know. I didn't know that they existed. I, I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> but like but like kids, mm-hmm. they take your plans and go, I don't really need these. I don't, yeah, exactly. I'm, right. Whatever. Cool. And so we did all of that. We like, it was a pizza making party. We got them all around the island and we were like, so you know how mom doesn't really feel like a mom sometimes. Like right. actually turns out that she feels more like a him and that she always has and sort of had that conversation with them. And like the one kid was, 
well, can I eat this pepperoni now? <laughs> and the other kid was like, can I, w- will you grow a beard that you can stroke when you're thinking? And then the big question was, that is a good question. It is a very good question. And I was like, if the good Lord allows me, I'll be honest. I, the good Lord has not allowed me. So the two of us together, we have no beards. Um, but the big question was, why did you wait so long? Mm. And I I was like, Ooh, ouch from the mouths of babes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And it, the truth was that like, I don't think that I had the language. I didn't know that it was a thing that I could be. Right. Um, And then I was like, I was already in, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And I didn't, there was no, there were no people like me out there. There were no representation of who you could be and be successful. And I looked, if you look at what the trans narrative is, typically when you see trans people on TV, they're being murdered on CSI. Yeah. Or they're prostitutes. Right. And so we don't have a good narrative. It's not like, well, I guess well, I'd like to become a prostitute, so I'll become a trans person. Right. I it was really scary to think what would happen to my career and what would happen to my family and would my wife still love me and would my family still love me? And like for me, I was lucky that all of those things went well. Yeah. Um and I feel a ton of privilege for, for that, which is why I choose to be as visible and vocal as I am because sure. There were no, like, I'm, I've never been harmed. I've had some very strange interactions in bathrooms that people feel like I should or shouldn't be in. Uh, uh, being from Texas, I understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's gone pretty smooth for me, you yeah. know? And the kids didn't really care. They, they wanted to know, like, what they should call me. And we said, you can call me whatever feels comfortable for you. That's if, helpful. If you yeah. choose, like we, we told them, like you might notice that mom starts to look more like a man and that people start to refer to him as him and that I'm going to, my, my wife said, and I'll be referring to him as him and my husband and things like that. And he would like you to refer to him as him as well. But you can always call him mom. He will right. always be your parent. He will always be who birthed you. He will always be your mom. And if that feels uncomfortable and you want to try something else out, you can absolutely do that too. And they, uh, like danger, my 10 year old referred to me only as father, like in a strange, <laughs> like weird voice. Was it a Darth Vader voice? Cause that's what it sounded it was like. like. It was like, Luke. Yeah. It was like a little like dark. It was like a Darth Vader Borat voice. I was like, I just, you're merging things. Um, and like the other kids, like then it was Mappa for a little while, like half mom, half papa. Sure. Uh, we're Canadian, so we speak Francais. Okay, uh, parle Francais. Ah, and our oui oui. Yeah, our kids. That's extended um, my knowledge. Yeah, no. I don't actually speak very much, <laughs> right? My, but my children go to French immersion school, oh, that's and so because awesome. I was like two languages, more money. That's smart. My mother-in-law teaches French, and my wife speaks a tiny bit of it. So we're we're trying. You're trying. We're trying. But my daughter, we have this book that's French and English, and I only read the English part. And my wife tried reading the French part one time, and my daughter went. Stop with this stuff. What is this? What is this? I don't even know. Now she gets it, and we're working on it. Yeah, quick interjection. I like it, but yeah. So she, they called me Papa for a little while, and honestly, they just Dad just became easier. Yeah, and now they call me and uh, their other dad, Dad, and if they need to differentiate, it's for Daddy Chris or Daddy Nick, and that's just how it rolls. That works for them. Yeah, and before we were, I was uh, Mama, and my wife was Mommy. Okay. Works just fine too, but yeah, I like. Man, that's so that's so fascinating to me, and it's so it's so true with the fact that like kids do not 
care. Like they're, they will roll with whatever, because honestly, they're like, I love you as a person. And this is, and this is the most like interesting aspect of the fact is that, um, kids know that you are a human and they love you for that. And that's all they care about. And I feel that a lot of times people will dwell on things that don't matter and they try and drive down and, and make people into things Mm -hmm. and then try and tell you what you can and cannot do. And it's like, yeah, but people are people. Way more complex than that. More complex. And you can't say that this person can, can love this man or this woman, but they can't, the other way and it's like no but 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 people are people and at the end of the day does it really matter right no does it, it doesn't. affect your life we the gays no. have not come and ruined marriage yet right right it's right. been a few years guys yeah, yeah. we haven't taken down the institution <laughs> right. i'm just saying it's all you straight folk that are doing that poly stuff that's not us just saying but but it was really fascinating what i was trying to say earlier is you have a unique and and i like stumbled over my words but you have a super unique perspective in that you can see both the parenting aspect from motherhood and fatherhood whereas i'm trying to see motherhood only from the vein of fatherhood mm-hmm. and i'm making my best guesses and best attempts and i feel like i succeed at times and i fail at times but what i really try and do is use every single interaction as a learning opportunity right and so my wife and i are constantly communicating about how we can parent better how we can interact better how we can uh, i'll give you a perfect example one of the things that that we we worked on was I love to do the cooking and cleaning and specifically cleaning when nobody's in the house. And I really like Zen out, right? Like that's kind of like a form of meditation for me. I just love to do a cleaning of the house. And I I, love to vacuum. And I didn't, I didn't lean into it. Right. Because I was told, no, that's, that's the woman's job. And so when I'm trying to take that, I thought, well, if I do more than 50%, then that's not fair to her because that's what she's supposed to, you know? Right. And she was like, I hate, well, not hate. Hate's you thought one. you were taking away her best part. You were yeah. like, oh, I'm going to take the best part of her life away if I take I more than 50% and of that cleaning. And we had a conversation. She's like, I don't like cleaning, but I love like caulking and, and you know doing all this repair. And I'm like, and she felt like she had to include me in that. And I'm like, oh, I do not like any aspect of that. Because she didn't want to script your masculinity. Exactly. And she thought that she was taking away the best part of me. And so we sat down and had a conversation. I'm like... No, like there's times where I'm going to need you to clean and there's times you're going to need me to help you with this project. But at the end of the day, me doing 80% of that and you doing 80% of yeah. that is what makes us whole. Yeah. And, and, but it, but it took, a, it took a while to get there. And, and I feel like, you know, sometimes people aren't willing to, to have those conversations or to work through that or just like, you know, a mom who's full-time working will still come home and cook and clean because she's like, ah, this is what it is. This is where I am. I just got to just her inherited beliefs, right? It is what her mom did or her grandma did. It's all her learned behaviors. And they're all the, and it's all like the spouses learned behaviors as well. They're all these inherited beliefs that we've picked up along the way that they've been passed down. And I think sometimes even like, just intergenerationally without even seeing I think that like there I I believe in like you know spiritual DNA and weird sure. things like that yeah, and yeah. intergenerational trauma right. I'm such a dork uh, but, there, but there has been some studies. there's science that yep. says yep. it's true mm-hmm. so I'm I'm just saying me and science are right right yeah. that's, that's all that's all we're saying the sciences and I have just de- <laughs> the academics and I have decided <laughs> it's we're good um but like it's it's part of it it's yep. it's like 
undoing all of that. And I think the more that we have conversations about it, the more that like people like you and I get on weird podcasts and yeah. are like, let's talk about how we, you know, split up the housework. Like yeah. my wife sleeps in every morning and I get up with all five kids and take them to school and daycare. Yeah. yeah. And she's always, she's like a little sheepish about it. People give her a bunch of crap about it, but it's after dinner. So I get up in the morning. I am like a, morning person so I get up at five and I work before the kids get up and then I do like the kids stuff and get them to daycare and school and all of that stuff and then I wake her up with tea as I walk out the door she journals does her morning pages and then she starts work and I start work and then I work a little bit later because that's what I'm like Ooh, will you go pick the kids up and I can stay and work for like an extra hour by myself and quiet right um and she sort of handles that. And then I cook dinner. But then after dinner is eaten, I am completely off. Off. I don't okay. have to do any cleanup. I, I do bedtime tuck-ins, but I don't sure. have to do – I'm not the enforcer. I'm not parent A, you know? Sure. Yeah, 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 The one that's like keeping track of time and getting their – like making sure they're – Okay, the, now you got to use the potty. Now you got to yeah. put on jammies. Now you got to do this. I'm parent yeah. B. She, she's parent A. Sure. Um, And I – she would be totally fine if I was going to sit out and like hang out in my office and – pretend to do stuff. Right. Uh, but I would miss bedtime with my kids as well. So right. I'm, I'm totally like I'm parent B. And then after they're in bed, I'm completely off. She packs lunches. She does middle of the night wake ups. Anything after 5am is me. Oh, sure. Okay. Anything before 5am is night, her. Meaning kids get up and they're like, I need exactly. XYZ. Got or okay. I had a nightmare the monster or I came peed back my bed or, or right. whatever it is. That's all her. Kool-Aid man burst in my bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, and and like people are less scandalized by the fact that she does middle of the night mm-hmm. and k- kitchen cleanup than mm-hmm. the fact that I do the whole morning routine. Right. But it works for us. And I think that that like that working for you and this working for us and it truly makes us happier, better people. Right. It's like it's that now we have to talk about it because I think that couples have been doing this for decades and yeah. centuries. It's just that everyone's been so ashamed of this weird thing that society has decided that we need to be yep. that we aren't talking about it. And right. all we have to do is talk about it. Yeah. That's all it takes is for a couple dads to get on this podcast at a summit and just talk about the That's fact that we, people have been doing this for decades. Centuries. It's, it's not. Yes. Yeah, centuries. Yeah. It's not that foreign of a concept, but it is because people don't talk about it. Like I, when I go pick the kids up or drop them off from school and I'm like there by myself or I go do a field trip day or whatever, mm-hmm. like I, it is a panty dropper. The moms <laughs> that pick up and drop off line, they are all like, Hey there. And I'm like, hi, I'm super happily married. Right, right, uh, right. Um, but I, yes, I will talk to your husband about what, where he is right now. He should be here more often. Uh-huh. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, this is awkward. <laughs> like, and the thing is, is yeah. that I, as much as it's like guys fault for not showing up, it also, I think is wives fault for when they do show up. Not, I think that wives so often like, Oh, you showed up and they make them the the brunt of the joke or yes. they make, they don't do it right. Or, well, if you were here more often then you right. would know. It's one of two things. It's either like, Oh, thanks for finally doing something. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, let's lay palm fronds down so you can walk over it because, and the heavens have opened up yep. and anointed you because you showed up once. Or you just didn't do it well enough because you didn't do it her way. Right. It's, it's like, instead of it just being like, 
cool, Dave showed up today, mm-hmm. as opposed to Christina, like, oh, Dave and Christina. Yeah. But, you know, like, Dave showed up. It's like, it's like, oh, Dave showed up. Or like, oh, there goes Dave screwing it up. Exactly. Like, it's like, so then the guy either feels like all he has to do is show up once every quarter, and, and he's, he's good. good. Or I better not show up at all, because the moment I do, then they're just going to bite my head off for doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So instead of, yeah, and so it's like one or the other, and you need to have a baseline for, no, it's it's okay. This happens all the time. It's not that big of a deal. And guys, I think, need to step up and say when, when like, there's so many new dads that I know that's their first baby, and they're like, I don't know what to do with the baby. Guess what? She doesn't know what to do with the baby either. She yeah. is less qualified than, like, than... Yeah. The the dad next to you that has a baby, right. even. But we think that they're like programmed with mm-hmm. this knowledge of like, oh, here's the how to care for a baby guidebook. Yeah. Boom. Guess what? When I brought my baby home, I knew nothing more than my husband did, and he would be like, "What do we do?" And I'd be like, "I don't know. Right, like, right, wh- right. why? Why are you looking at me? Right. I don't understand this. Right. This is not my skill well, set. You had the baby. And I was uh, like, well, that does not make me uniquely right. qualified to do anything with right. it. I just have parts. Right. <laughs> like if I gave you a carburetor, would you know how to fix it? No, no, I'd have to look it up. Be like, all right, well, there then we go. here we go. Yeah. yeah, but I think that that men have to push back and like when I I think so often uh, this thing happens where like women have the baby and they're so uh, attached to the baby and in love with the baby that like that's their baby mm-hmm. and it, but it also is their partner's baby right. and. I think what happens so often is that like men get told like, go, just go over there. Your job is just to provide for this baby. This is the mother's time. Right. And men have to push back and be like, could I would like really love to feed this baby also. What could, how could I bond with the baby that like, right. Can you help me? I don't want to take anything away from you, but could you help me have something special as well? Right. Um, and that was one of the things that when I first started this podcast, I started because I had, I noticed with myself and with coworkers that there are people who are new dads who want to be involved and one of two things was happening. That was happening where they were told, just go into the corner, just when you're summoned help. And they either would push back and go, no, I want to be equally caring for this baby. I'm going to figure out what to do. Even if you don't know what to do, we're going to figure this out together or more likely what would happen. They'd be like, "Mm, okay, well then I'll just defer to you and, and not do anything. And then they would get disappointed and feel like they don't have a connection with the child because they've been told you're not supposed to have a connection when it's like, n- n- no. There's... And then it just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And then I, uh, I think that like the biggest thing I can say to men is like, honestly, there is nothing that is stopping you from having the exact same relationship with your kids that your your the birth parent has with them. Right. Because adopted parents do it left, right, and center all the time. Yeah. Queer parents are doing it left, right, and center all the time. And so there is literally nothing stopping you except for yourself. And don't you want to have that same quality of emotional connection with your kid? Don't you want your kid to come to you with the same amount of things that they would go to their their mom about, um, their birth parent about, whatever that happens to be? Or the primary parent, if it's not a birth parent, there's lots of different families, lots of different configurations, you know? But, like, stop selling yourself short stop selling your kids short that is good and that's a perfect point to wrap it up and so nick thank you so much we're going to pivot to uh my favorite part of the episode and the listener's less favorite part but it's fine i can't hear their groan so we're good fine it's the dad joke of the week 
our dad jokes of the episode. So I, it is a segment where I will throw dad jokes to the guest and force them to laugh uh, while the audience groans. Okay. So, but before I, was, I, I get thought started, you were going to make me tell a dad joke. Before I, I get started, I, I put the guests on the spot and asked them if they have a dad joke they would like to share. If not, it's perfectly fine. I always have a backlog. Ooh, I'm not a good dad joker. Okay, that's fine. You will learn. You will I'm, learn. I I think there's a, a speaker on uh, dad jokes, but I could be wrong. I hope so. I think there. I actually I was looking at the program schedule a second ago. I think I'm gonna get on that because right? I'm not good at it. This is the problem when you transition. You have to learn social culture <laughs> constructs all over again. Fair, fair. Things I work on fair. not crossing my legs as often, right. as intensely. Uh, not apologizing accidentally right. before needing to. I should take these notes down. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's something I should. Yeah, <laughs> no and. It's no one teaches that. (laughs) Dad jokes, Uh, no one taught that. All right. So uh, here's one. Uh, What ship did Dracula come to England in? A blood vessel. (laughs) That is good. All right. Last one. Well, no, no. I got got two more. I'll do one more. Um, Hey, I want to tell you something about investing. Uh, You shouldn't invest in Velcro. It's a real (laughs) ripoff. See? All right. right. You can real get stuck on that one. Yeah. (laughs) There's my dad joke back. <laughs> I can I can volley it back. Good, I just can't good, come with good, nothing. All right, my last one is my favorite. I know the listeners have heard it a couple times, but uh, so why did the Dairy Queen get pregnant? Because the Burger King forgot to wrap his Whopper. <laughs> that is a good one. All right, all right, all right. My uh, kid's pediatrician taught it to me, so shout out to him. Shout out to that. <laughs> good job, doctor. Anyways, all right. So Nick, if people want to follow you and see what you are up to, what is the best way for them to do that? My very favorite place is uh, is Instagram okay. at Epic Danger. It is an epic danger. It's true. It's my uh, my two first birth children. I those are their middle names. Oh, awesome! All of my children have badass middle names because I didn't want to give them boring ones. My son's middle name is Rain, R-A-I-N-E, mm. which means royalty. Yes, so I dig it. I uh, I was a big Our Lady at Peace fan, and I was the lead singer. Rain Maida? Yes. He's Canadian. Yes, I, I, I married to Chantal Kriviasek. This is true. We're, this is true. <laughs> our music bond is real. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I knew it was somewhere out there. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna end on that note but we need a hashtag we need a hashtag for the episode so we're already gonna put hashtag dad to summit on here obviously but for the episode should we go with hashtag learn behavior sure all right so listeners i'm gonna have more great dad to summit episodes for you not sure when they're gonna release they're gonna release kind of sporadically we'll have another couple great episodes for you monday i've got some great guests lined up in general but until next episode definitely while you're here at the summit or listening to the summit or engaging with the summit Hashtag dad to summit. But for this episode, hashtag learn behavior. And until next time, hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D T A L K S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.